Fiona, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, you've been a journalist for 34 years? Gosh, that's good. Yeah, it's right. 34 years, which makes me feel so old. <laughs> no, great achievement. And, uh, and I know now you've... How long have you run um, Scott Media? I've run my business under various iterations since 2008. So it's 13, 13 years, getting on for 14 years now. Yeah, fantastic. And I know you've got quite a... Um, quite a varied background all in journalism and all um got some pretty good stories to tell um why don't you just give a bit of an overview background of yourself and the business to start off with um i'd love to hear hear and share um more about your background and where you came from and your journey in journalism um so let's kick off there and then we'll get into a uh, get into a branding check okay so um i started my business in technically in 2008 when I was being made redundant for my job in television and I had a decision to make because I was in my early 40s I had three children at home I was married and TV takes you all over the place it's an incredibly seductive um, interesting fantastic place to be but it's not great for family life and um I realized if I was going to be a freelancer in TV I'd end up spending most of my life in London Manchester or Cardiff and um, I thought you know loads of people in my sector the media freelance I've got to give it a go here I am at 42 being made redundant if I don't try being a successful freelancer now I never will um, so with the buffer of a redundancy payout um, because I've got nothing really bad to say about ITV it wasn't about me it was about a business decision across the whole of ITV nationally I was one of a thousand that was made redundant um, I started to build a freelance profile. I did not think I was running a business. And that's a really important distinction to anyone who finds himself in my situation. I thought of myself as a freelance employee. Mm. Um, and that was the beginning. And it's been a long and windy road. <laughs> a very long and windy road. But I, uh, the key moment was when I was 50, um, I held a business dinner for charity. And they asked me to say a few words for my 50th. And I stood up, I had nothing prepared. And it just came out that I'd lost my dream job. And then somehow by hook or by crook, between being 42 and 50, I'd created a new dream job entirely on my own. And I suddenly realized I was quite proud of that. It was quite a small thing. My business is small in terms of business and turnover. But I'd done that. I'd sat at my kitchen table with a laptop, a phone, and thought, who the hell's going to employ me? And then here I was running this charity dinner. And I have made a ton of mistakes along the way. Um, and that's okay. I'm still making mistakes now. But I make them less. And also, I don't really see them as mistakes. I always see them as opportunities to learn. You know, it's um, a lot of people are going through a similar thing you went through back then about redundancy and changing careers. And there's a lot of movement at, at the minute in not just people's jobs, but setting up businesses or people that have businesses completely changing them and just jacking one in and starting another. And um, so that um, while we're on that subject, uh, is there anything you can say to people that are going through that at the minute? Because you you kind of, uh, I guess, transitioned or, or found yourself again that you found something you wasn't really expecting so is there some kind of wisdom you can share about that experience because it's uh I, I don't think that, what I would say is if you've got a financial buffer through redundancy really stop and think 
what do I want to do? We work for a long time. Our children will work longer than we will. What is the point of spending 40 years or more doing something you hate? What is the point of that? Um, don't be so focused on the money that you forget the other joyful things in life. And I think that that's one thing I got right because my husband and I, now the money, now the expenses first, sit down with your partner, whoever is, you know, bringing money into the household. What can you do without? What bills do you need to pay? And you'll be surprised what you're wasting cash on. And also then you can go forward more positively, which is these might be modest goals I know each month I need to earn 500 quid. I'm going to build my business doing whatever it is, you might want to be a gooseberry farmer, I don't know. But, you know, you could get a delivery driver job a couple of shifts a week, or a, especially in a place like Swindon to cover those bills which you've worked out and then spend proper time building your business and understand that most small businesses and I did know this and I was so glad to draw on this knowledge from my days as a business editor on the Swindon Advertiser, um, it takes about two years before a business will make you any money and you can probably take any real cash from it and you have to put the effort in. If you think that businesses are just going to walk through the door or turn up, you are utterly deluded. It is hard work. Mm. Um, so you've got to be prepared for that journey. And I was prepared for the journey because, frankly, commuting and living in London most of the time, getting back at 10 o'clock at night was something I was already doing two days a week. And that was not the life me and my family wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I've done it. I've done the whole delivery job a few days a week, you know, waiting for business to pick up. And then it picks up and all of a sudden you go, hang on a minute, I just made 500 quid or whatever by putting a post out on Facebook and I'm working yeah. for 100 quid a day or whatever delivering. <laughs> all I need to do is do that again and I, and I can jack it. And yeah, it's a, so knowing those numbers is something that I... I've never been good at numbers and that's something that's been really important. Well, I'm not great at numbers, but for me, family budget, that's all I had to care about, do my bit in the family. And the other thing that I knew from the beginning, which won't surprise anybody given my background, but actually business owners are can be terrible at, is for every hour you earn money in your business doing your thing, you need to budget an hour to market your thing. Hmm. It really is that. I speak to a lot of authors and they'll say, I'll say, how long did you write per day when you were writing your book? Four to six hours. I said, okay, that's the amount of time you need to put into marketing your book. your book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then always say, people put it on the back burner, but there is a reason that big companies spend a lot of money on marketing. It's because you to sustain your sales funnel, to sustain your business, you have to give as much energy to marketing the business as you do to actually selling and growing the business. And you have to understand that. And it's a really hard concept because, you know, a lot of what you do feels like you're shouting in the wilderness. Um, and that's where people want to measure stuff all the time. I'm not into matrix and measuring and figures and spreadsheets. However, I always learned really early on, if I had a quiet month, so I used that month to get out there, to do more on Facebook or Twitter or in the real world or a mix of all of them, more business would come. It was inevitable. I think of it this way. The more visible you are, the more business you will have. Mm. 
you just will. Whether or not it's the right business for you, whether or not other elements of your business, that's something you'll learn over time. But you, uh, you know, you tell me one invisible business you know it's good it might be a brand that's got a massive contract with the ministry of defense um and they are not allowed to speak about it they have to be under the radar and deliver what they do behind wire razor wire that's about the only business i can think of that will be successful through being invisible and what if the mod pulls out because they'll be totally buggered then that's the only business in the, in probably the 13 years I've had a conversation with someone where I realized I couldn't do PR with them because of the restrictions they were under. It was pointless. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Um, I want to talk about journalism. Yeah. I have in my head a journalist. Uh, it's hard work. You travel a lot, but there's some pretty saucy stories you get and it's and it's quite fun and you get to have the drinks and the food and the meat <laughs> so tell me some juicy stories What's okay okay there are journal there are, journalists are just like any other sector we fall into different categories mm-hmm. um what we are really are nosy human beings who have specialist interest we are generally good at writing not always um and Almost all of us will start out in local newspapers, local radio, and some of us, because we're committed to a community, will choose to stay there. And and I suppose in a way, I went um, local, regional, bit and national, and back to local again because of the redundancy thing. Um, Like any sector, most journalists are absolutely wonderful people. Yeah, we're nosy. We ask loads of questions. Just accept it. We are also powerful. We are social connectors. And we will, if we like you and your brand, we're going to make you very visible. So we should be your best friend. Equally, there are some that are not so great. Um, some The hacking scandal is a, a, a recent one. I do know some journalists that were caught up with that one of whom I worked with in a local paper. And the thing is, you could tell even then, there are some that are very tabloidy, that are into the world of celebrity, even at an early stage in their career. So I'll give you an example. I was never interested in some local celebrity's private life. And I had no interest in hanging around outside their house or in the bushes to see who they were seeing. I've no interest in that. Doesn't interest me, it's not my business. However, if they're, a, say, a, for example, a member of parliament and their private behaviour has led to them um, perhaps that being discussed in the public arena or them being deselected because of their behaviour, that's different because that brings it into the public domain. That affects their public role that they're being very hands- paid handsomely to do. So as an investigative journalist, I was fired up by stories which showed an injustice or an unfairness. Mm. I'm not interested in celebrities, private lives, sex scandals, if they don't impact on the public purse. What someone does in their private life is their business, as far as I'm concerned. Essentially, no one cares, really. Yeah, Yeah, certainly not now. I mean, when I started out in the 80s, you know, it was a big deal for someone to get divorced. Mm. Now, it's far more commonplace. Um, but now I started on a local paper and I just love people. I genuinely like spending time with people. I like listening to their stories and I try to tell stories for good 
and for information and education. Um, I don't sell stories to make myself loads of money. I never have, it doesn't interest me. Because if you've got a good set of relationships as a journalist, you keep going back to people. You're not gonna be able to go back to people that you've you know, caused a storm in their lives or caused them angst or horror. You've got to really think about that. And that's not the type of journalist I am. Yeah, it's that that's like empathetic journalism. I quite like that. Uh, <laughs> well, most of us are like that. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And and it's funny that you found your way back to like the local smaller stories, um, which is really interesting because I guess it takes a different knack, doesn't it, when it's when it's not like a national or regional thing, and it is a local, more local. I don't don't get me wrong; those bigger, more investigative stories are there. But when you're a freelance, you know, some of those bigger stories, I can give you an example. I happen to know in the southwest of England, there's a businessman, I use that term very loosely, operating um, and leaving debts and devastation in this person's wake. I'm not going to name him. I've been asked to do a story on him, but it would require a massive amount of investigation by me and gathering of evidence. And as a freelancer, no one's going to pay me for that. Mm. I can't afford to do it. And even though the set of business owners I'm aware of who've been affected by this person were willing to pay for my time as a collective, I can't even get insurance to do that story. Because the truth is, I'm if I was to do a story, I'm libeling that person. Now, I can defend a libel by saying it's true. It's true. I've got all this evidence. You've done all of this. Here's your county court judgments. Here's these people that are chasing you, et cetera, et cetera. But I'd have to go to court to prove that and the journey to court. So it's not for um, it's not that the stories aren't there and I'm not interested. It's that as a freelance, as a business person, I can't justify the time in investigating them. When I worked at ITV, um, obviously ITV was paying me to investigate stories. And some of them would take two or three years wow. to go through a legal process and to be at a stage where we could tell that story publicly in TV, because the rules in TV are incredibly stringent. I mean, you have to wash through lawyers two or three times. And also lawyers have to see the programme before it goes out. Every yeah. frame they'll go through. So, you know, it was a great time. 13 years I had that luxury and exploded some very big stories. Mm. But as a freelancer, you can't do it. Uh, I'm very... Um, uh... Uh, you know like Piers Morgan's life stories yeah those kinds of programs I often watch and in the back of my mind I'm thinking the amount of red tape that must be around those conversations yeah. must be massive like yeah. to, for them to be able to be feel comfortable to talk about certain things and maybe about other people about relationships there must be so much research and stuff that goes into it yeah and there were, there would, yeah there will have been um, not with big celebrities, there tends not to be a dress rehearsal, but there have been discussions with their agents and their team, mm. what they can talk about, what they can, if they talk about that subject, what depth can they go into, okay. who they can name, who they can't name. Um, some celebrities won't give a much of a damn, but what you have to remember is the celebrity may be able to afford the, um, the, the fallout, if you like. Yeah. But the channel may not be able to. And also what gets forgotten in libel cases, it isn't just, I don't know, the BBC, ITV, Channel 4 that are liable. 
it's every individual technically within the process of creating that story can be liable i mean historically even down in the time of newspapers to the person that sold the newspaper on the street yeah um so yeah there's a huge amount of stuff that goes into it and then you might get a maverick presenter like pierce morgan who'll go off piste during a live or a recording and you have to deal with that mm. um and yeah i i have obviously i haven't had that with pierce morgan i've never worked with him but i've had that with other presenters in the past mm. and believe me the conversations that happen afterwards are extremely colorful yeah i can imagine <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of these conversations that you have in journalism or, or pr and those kinds of things that I cross them with branding a little bit because you are managing a reputation and what other people perceive you as and those kinds of things. How, how, how much, uh, how mindful are you of a person or company's brand when you're working with them? Oh, okay. It makes a massive difference, doesn't it? Depending yeah. on the light they're seen in, I guess. Yeah. Um, very, very mindful. Um, when you make a story plan with a, one of the, the retained clients, uh, of which I've got a small group of clients, um, we talk about, if they're a one man or woman band, we talk about the person and their personality. And then we talk about the brand and the brand ethics. Um, the two must be aligned at every stage. Now, some business owners are more maverick and more free than others, and that's fine. But with those, I might sometimes have to pull them back Ooh. and say, actually, well, you may think that, believe that, be willing to express that, it's not going to help your brand to do, to do that. And maybe you should think twice and I want you to think about it overnight. If it was very unethical, I simply wouldn't do it. I would walk away mm. because I have to consider two things. I mean, I've said to you before, I consider I'm quite a woo-woo spiritual person. So there's the energy of the business owner or the team. And then there's the energy of the business and the brand. And the two have to work in harmony together. One feeds the other. Um, so if I'm asked to do something with a story where that doesn't sit right with the brand and the person says, no, I want you to do it. And I really strongly feel that it won't sit right with the brand. I'll walk away. Yeah. And also, you know, I've been in this game for a really long time. So if you're not going to listen to my advice, why are you working with me anyway? Yeah. Aren't you just wasting your money? Um, you know, if you're the type of business owner that employs an expert and then tells the expert what to do, you're just wasting your money. You really are. So don't bother. Um, be honest about yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's funny, actually. I don't think, I don't think you recognize or i recognize that actually if i'm getting some journalism or pr it affects the person doing it as well you know the person involved you know your because your name's on everything you do really yeah and, and things like that you don't i mean i've made mistakes i've worked with businesses where i've been flattered and you know they've thrown money at me and it's taken me a couple of months to think that this something so usually with me I get this feeling that something isn't right and I can't always put sometimes I can absolutely put my finger on it but sometimes I can't um but I think a good test for me is are you happy 
if the client's happy to write on your social media with all your branding that you're working with this person or you're working with this company are you happy to put out a testimonial from them with your branding because if from the beginning you think oh no I don't want people to know I'm working with them I don't want to put that out there then that tells you everything you need to Because I believe in your gut is really your best test. Yeah. It really, really is. And I think we've all had situations <laughs> where we've gone into something and it seemed great. And then time further down the line, you've thought there's something not right here or, or there's, you know, I've had times like that. And, and you do get that gut feeling. And it, but it's, it's almost too late at that point. You have to manage the situation. And Sometimes you do, and it, it can come. You could have worked very well with someone for a number of years, in my case, and then there can come a change, and it stops being the right thing. Um, it could be because key decision makers have changed. People have moved on. People have retired. I've had that. Um, and, and then it's about being honest that you simply come the end of your journey together and uh, the way that I found to test that when it's happened it's happened I can think of probably three times it's happened is if you think well if I'm not working with that brand anymore what will I feel will I feel upset or will I feel relieved mm. and if you know you'll feel relieved it's time yeah that's a good signal yeah. mm. so what I base a lot of my decisions sounds crazy but on how my body and my emotions respond mm. But be kind in the parting of the ways if it's you that's making the decision. Um, you know, and, and often I can think of at least one of those cases where I sensed the other person was feeling the same thing and it was a relief all round. Yeah. Um, um, and that's fine. That's a much healthier way to end a relationship. And I found in every case where that's happened within the month, a new door has opened, a new person has turned up. And I think that's another sign to trust your instincts is that actually sometimes someone's being moved from you in order to allow something else to come in, especially if you're a one man or a one woman band working with associates or freelancers to support you when you're busy you do have limited capacity. So spend your limited capacity with someone where you can make the most difference, not with someone who's got the most money, excuse me, uh, as is my want, phone's ringing. Um, yeah, spend where you can make the most difference, both to yourself and to them. I want to, um, you, you've worked with a lot of people in your time, uh, all the way from uh, you know, regional national journalism, right to the local, people uh, and I know you do things like master classes and power hours where people can spend a bit of time with you understand mm. maybe what not to do sometimes really. mostly what not to do <laughs> what not to do can you give us a little bit of insight into maybe some of the preconceptions that we have of, of journalism and PR yeah uh, I, I think one of the <clears throat> one of the things that I had to understand is about the process and really, what I don't think we know what is a story. Uh, I think that's probably the most difficult part that I had. Like, what is, is this interesting? Is it not interesting? And knowing a bit about that. So can you talk us through a little bit about what, what you're looking for and what people can give you? Okay. Um, all of us have stories every single day. We have multiple life experiences. And it's that which makes us truly unique. Um, you just have to decide where your story fits. So mostly 
Um, these days, it'll be on social media, your story of the day. So you might put a long form post on LinkedIn, you might put something on Facebook. And then there are ways of making those stories more um, readable um, for more engagement. That's kind of technical stuff. So the first thing to do with a story within a business um, or an organization is to think, okay, is that the story of the day, social media? Is that worth a long form? Um, so story of the day plus perhaps a blog. And then the higher level of PR, which allowed small businesses to punch above their weight is the media. First thing to do before you even attempt to send a story to the media is understand how the media work. Because the biggest mistake small business owners make is thinking the media should be writing about them. You should be writing about them because my business is interesting. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, it's not. It's not interesting unless you fit. You can cut the cake up however much you want, but you have to fit in the way the media works and what it's looking for. When you switch your perception of that and understand the value the media can bring to you and your business, you'll start to naturally understand which of your stories fit. So, local press which we're most of us will engage with local media and we should start there that's all our budget can cope with okay they are looking for stories about local people they are not there to advertise your business if you want to advertise your business and you want to talk about the 20 fine points of the boiler you're now selling buy advertising space and no bugger will read it <laughs> nobody will read it unless they wanted a boiler today that's quite an ironic thing about journal PR and journalism. And the fact yeah. that the stuff that we pay for probably won't be read, but yeah. it's stories that people will pick up on or that you will tell to someone that will get reported and people will read. But actually, if you are going to do what we call a display ad and add your 20 points, for, work with a branding specialist, at least make it eye-catching. And, and, and saying the right things. And I can assure you that any branding specialist like you is not going to allow anyone to put anything out that says, here's the 20 fine points of the boiler you can buy from me. <laughs> you know, it's boring. If it's, it's like reading a manual. Nobody wants to read the manual of your business. Yeah. You know, uh, they want to know who you are and what you are. So local press are looking for local stories around local people. So you have to think, right, is this a story about my business, about a local person? So um, Danny running his business for three or four years, it's worth a punt. Your third anniversary, your fourth anniversary, your fifth anniversary, absolutely. Danny employing a Kickstarter or an apprentice or moving to a big office is about Danny, local man. Okay, but if you're smart, the way you present and describe yourself will describe your business. Yeah, so I think I think that's probably the key that I've recognised is that when we're telling when we're having a story told about us in, in some sense, I think it's because we can't make the link between a personal story yeah. and what's great about our business. Yeah. So, so we we kind of think, what's the point? But actually that's where the magic is really. It's reading a story about a human and finding out that it's actually related to business or an office move or whatever whatever it might be. Yeah, we remember other people before we remember brands, unless the brand has huge history mm. and is huge and is spending millions a year on promoting. We could all think of brands where that happens, where they're instantly recognizable. Mm. Uh, Nike, Apple, 
um, Heinz, you know, there are many of them, but you don't go, they didn't turn up yesterday. Mm. You know, if you go through and look at them, it's exactly the same when you hear people saying, oh, such and such got famous on The Voice or Britain's Got Talent. In almost every case, if you look at those people, they've been they've been pounding the streets doing grubby little yeah. pubs for years. <laughs> They're just taking amazing, an opportunity. There's that amazing tweet, isn't there, from Ed Sheeran. Have you ever seen that? Um, no. He's like a kid, and I think he tweets something like, um, this will be me in 10 years or whatever. And then uh, 10 years later, look at him, you know? And it's... Yeah, but you have to think what the effort he's put in, in almost every case. So, um, yeah, so you have to think, how will I fit? And the easiest way to do that is actually buy your local paper. I do this in when I do face-to-face -face training, I will bring local papers along and I will make people go through and list the stories that have business names or organizations or charities, because I count them as a business. <clears throat> and I'd be amazed how many stories there are in just a local paper about local businesses. Now you can have a slice of that, but you have to engage properly. Yeah. And you apply it exactly the same to the national press. They aren't interested in your business unless they're writing a, you know, 10 key hints about branding. And, and how often is that going to come up, Danny? That might come up once a decade. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to be willing to open up your whole personality if you want national coverage over time, um, unless you've got stacks of money to pay for it. And I'll tell you, I, I worked with a business for a bit during lockdown, and they said to me they wanted five pieces of national coverage a month. And I said, okay, please give me a budget of 250,000 a month then. <laughs> and they said, what are you talking about? I said, because anyone who promises you that without that kind of budget, you are frankly deluded. Mm. You haven't got enough stories of that interest to hit the national press without paying for space. Yeah, so I've, so I've seen in the past people advertising things like, if you like get in, get an article in Success Magazine or Fast Company or Forbes or something and, and they charge 10, 15, 25 grand for it. Yeah. It, are these things worth it in, in, your, in your view? Um, mostly for a small business, not. And I'll tell you why, because you haven't got a plan around how to use that asset. Mm. It's a shot in the dark. Then. Yeah. I mean, some PRs would say it's not what we call earned content. You know, it's not, um, I'm less of that. If you really want to be in Sarah Binney's property magazine, and that's a dream, I will get on the phone and negotiate a good deal for you. But if you've come from nowhere, you're going to have to pay because you've got no profile. And, and that's just, the truth. Yeah. And, and one of the things that you've said to me before <clears throat> is that, you know, that local press that you get regularly is an amazing thing if you want to then go to a magazine or something because if they google you at least you've got a little bit of backup and there's been stuff going on and they can read about you and that really helps so that's that's been something that i've always taken away from you um yeah it, it is look because lots of small business owners common things i hear from them is this is a national story <laughs> i had that uh, uh, very they they yeah, just, uh, yeah, they just decided it's a national yeah. story. I'm not interested in local press. So I had someone who um, uh, is starting a new online course who was insisting that it was completely unique because of some nips and tucks within this online course. 
would not listen to me. I said, but online courses are not unique. Yeah. There are millions of them. <laughs> it's not unique, uh, but it, I think it deserves national press. Well, it doesn't matter whether you think it deserves it or not. It isn't a national story. If you want it to appear in the Daily Mail, give me a 10 grand budget and I'll see if they'll cover it. Yeah. And even then, that's no guarantee. This is the thing, because if it doesn't fit their high style or the sub subjects they want to write about, they aren't going to take your money willy-nilly and write about something that doesn't fit. Mm. Yeah. So even if you've got the money, they won't always take it. So you've got to be smarter. Mm. You've got to be smarter there and understand how the landscape works. And you will then start to get good results. So before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you to share where people can connect with you. Um, but before we wrap up, I've had some great advice and tips off you in the past, but a lot of people just don't know where to start. So, and you've just mentioned a few things there as well. Uh, so how, what can I do today? What's the first thing I can do to start getting to know how to get in the press more, to get my story out there and to tell my story to local press first. Let's keep it there. Yeah, start, you start local. So where are you physically situated as a business or business owner? It might be in your home, you might have an office. That's where you start. What's your local newspaper, your local community radio, your local radio, your local TV? Create your media list. Mm. Um, and then once you've done that, you're starting to understand your media landscape. And it's very different. You might have two really good, well-engaged local bloggers who will be on your media list. Um, they might be sort of sector specific to you or they might be about the community do that get your media list and then get some training i know it sounds ridiculous because i offer that but get some training because it's very easy to waste your money mm -hmm. you need to know what good look like looks like even if you think well eventually i want to outsource this to someone you need to understand what good looks like so spend a little on training and educating yourself or even a marketing manager a lot of marketing managers and marketing directors in companies avoid dealing with the press thing because they don't know how to do it and that's a difficult bit so they'll avoid it so what's the what's the training element you would recommend is it just how to deal with people how to understand what journalists? yeah it's understanding how journalism works mm -hmm. understanding what the value is to the business um and also then if you do get coverage what to do next you know make the most of that coverage it's you that needs to talk about it on social media tag in the relevant publication these are the, the steps you need to take um and then it's also planning what your next story is going to be after that you can't focus on you can't just tell the same story all the time you have to think right what else new what's coming up Let's plan a few stories for this year. And it might involve you actually having to do some things like uh, pick up a charity to fundraise for for a year. I mean, I can see three or four stories right there just in deciding to do that, but you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, you that's actually, I, I can imagine that's a great place to start, because especially if it starts with a personal story about you and the charity's linked to it in some way. What an amazing place to start. And you're giving back in the process and uh yeah that's a great thing to do yeah yeah great thanks for your net what an amazing chat i'm sure loads of people are going to take away from that um do you want to tell us where we can connect with you what what we can do and maybe a couple of things you've got going on at the moment yeah sure um you can find me on facebook at scott media 
I have a private Facebook group called Fiona Scott's PR Tribe, which you can apply to join. And I do give lots of value there. I do sell my stuff, be aware, but you can join it. So we've got over nearly 600 people now, but these are people that understand the value of PR. It doesn't matter to me how much money you have or haven't got, but you want to engage in a positive way and intelligently and do apply to join. I'm on LinkedIn under my own name and I'm on Twitter at the Fiona Scott. You can find me there um, or on my website, scott.media.uk. So you can find me there and I do power hours. I've got a retreat going on. You can book a power hour with me at any time. I do bi-monthly planning sessions, which are a joint thing where you can come along. I'll usually have a guest. So my next one is Jill Foster, national journalist. Um, and Jill works with me quite a lot. And then I come up with loads of story ideas for the forthcoming couple of months so you can start to plan. Plan, 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 plan. If you want to take this seriously, plan it. I'm going to put links around this video and in the show notes and on YouTube and all the places. We have to very quickly finish off by talking about the retreat. Where did that come from? Uh, and tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, I've wanted to do a retreat for a really long time to take business owners or marketing managers, marketing execs, you know, people who run charities out of the everyday into a beautiful place where they learn properly how to do PR. Because when you understand it's about storytelling, we need to dive, be nosy into your life. And that is a really emotional journey. You'll know that, Danny, um, because you're gonna look at all the stories and there are some we won't be able to tell ever or express because it's too hard or it affects people so you need to go for a coaching journey to understand where you are with your stories then you can embrace the ones fully that you can tell and you're confident you can tell so I'm doing a retreat where um, I've got two business coaches so one's very spiritual one's very um, technical engaged so they're really different so you work with those business coaches then you work with me to come up with strategy planning your stories and your um, story plan for the year. And I will give you some media contacts as well. And then our final speaker is uh, Jill Foster. She's a national journalist, writes across all the national press, will come in and will work to find national stories that she'll be interested in over the coming year in your business. Now, to have someone from the national press coming to talk to business owners directly a small number of them for a whole weekend it just doesn't happen it yeah. doesn't happen but you have to understand there's a process um and you will walk away with a personal connection to a national journalist who may have one or two stories from you for a year that she'll be interested in she'll be thinking about this is who I'm writing for in the next year. This is what I'm going to be looking for. And she will remember and come back to you. And I've always wanted to do that, to shut business owners in a room with journalists and business coaches to understand the power of all those stories they can tell and then how to tell them properly and who to tell them to. And I'm doing it. So it's... Um, Last weekend in January 2022, it's going to happen in Cheshire because we're coming all over the country. It's a four-star spa hotel. It's a five-star experience, folks. And um, if it goes well, I'll do another one. Once a year, there will be enough. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. And I think you need that. You, 
I, I always feel like journalism is so quick. You know, I, I see requests from you in your mm. Facebook group and you need to kind of, you need to be on it immediately. So actually to get, dig a very deep into this, into your stories and your life and the things you can tell and figure out what you want to tell and not, I think is really valuable on its own. And the fact that a national um, press, national journalist is there uh is incredible to have that basically you're, you're gonna slide into her little black book yeah. that's what yeah. is gonna work mm -hmm. and the thing is if that she knows there are three things that you're really good at i don't know being a father of two being an expert in branding um you know liking tattoos i'm just picking three things out of the air what's she gonna do when she's got to write a story in a day She's yeah. going to go to a little black book. And, and that's the overall point and understanding. But should you tell every story? No, you really have to think. Telling stories is emotional and you have to plan it and be prepared for what can happen. And that's why it's, I'm doing it. And also you will get a professional photo shoot as part of the weekend, a mini photo shoot to actually walk away with um, headshots that match the stories we've been discussing. Yeah, a media pack, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a media pack and I might expand it if it goes well. It'll be for 10 minimum, maximum 20. I don't think I could do it for more than 20 because otherwise you lose that small group experience. Yeah, I agree. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Fiona. Great. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, I look forward to having another chat again soon.